Folks, we are back. We are feeling good. We're feeling better than ever. This is the Detroiter covering sports in the Motor City in the Mitten State. I'm your host. My name's Nick Bradley. You may know me from TikTok. You may know me from real life. Who knows how you know me? I'm Nick Bradley, and this is presented by The Second String and thesecondstring.com for all your vintage apparel needs. No, it's not for your vintage apparel needs. It's for the coolest shit out there. That's what it's for. Um, so go check that out. Matthew Stafford just won his first career playoff game. The Rams, Stafford played incredibly. Um, the Cardinals, on the other hand, looked like a team that would lose to the Lions. It was bad. It was real bad for the Cardinals. I don't Kyler Murray, I mean, his offensive line, they didn't do him any favors, but Kyler Murray was like just flustered, it seemed like. Like he'd never seen guys move that quickly, kind of thing. Uh, uh something you expect like in a rookie. Or, or someone who hasn't played a ton where, oh, shit, this this game's fast. This is happening quicker than I'm ready for. He just didn't have it. He didn't have it today. And he's a great player. He's a freak athlete. The way he runs, his agility, all of that, no doubt. He's a, he's a baller. Didn't have it today. Um, I'm sure the funny thing is, now if you're a Cardinals fan, just NFL people in general, you already know the rumor mill, or not the rumor mill, but like the uh, the printing press. You already know it's off and running with Kyler Murray. Can't win the big one. Can't win the big game. He's a great player. Once it comes to, you know, it's crunch time. Mm, not got, not that guy. You already know that narrative's getting going. But I don't care about that. I don't care about Kyler Murray. I don't care about the Cardinals. Um, tough year, whatever, good year, whatever you want to hear if you're a Cardinals fan. We'll see you next year. I want to talk about a guy who just disproved the narrative who just took a cast iron skillet and bashed a narrative over the head with it, right? Who just uh, who just put <laughs> put a narrative in a triangle leg lock, in a figure four leg lock, just brought them to the torture chamber as far as narratives go. It took it took the narrative where narratives go to die. That's exactly what Matthew Stafford did tonight. He can't win the playoff game. He can't beat teams. That are over 500. He can't do it. He's the reason Detroit can't get over the hump. How foolish must you feel? And I hope you do. I know there's those people out there that I, you know, I'm not the one to say I told you so. I am the one to say I told you so. I am. And I'm here to say I told you so. And I'm here to listen to you, even though this is a podcast. Listen to you say, yeah, you're right. Stafford is capable. It's a shame the Lions never got him the help he needed. It was beautiful watching Matthew Stafford. He played great. I think he had four total touchdowns. Like, he played incredibly. No turnovers. Made some real nice throws. He was awesome. He – it was it was clean. It was clean. It was easy. It was effortless. It was like he didn't even break a sweat. It's kind of like he was out there just going, oh. <laughs> this is all it took? This is all it takes to win a playoff game once you don't play for the Detroit Lions. Like, it really felt like one of those games. And he's not the guy to come out and say, fuck you, I told you. He's not that guy. You know he's thinking it. You think Matthew Stafford and Kelly Kelly Stafford aren't sharing a bottle of wine tonight talking, how about all those fucking morons that always tried to besmirch your name in Detroit? You think they're not drinking to that? They're cracking open the Merlot, maybe a Sauvignon to celebrate celebrate the occasion, put the kids down to bed early, maybe went out, 
sushi for dinner, I'm thinking, maybe a steak, maybe some fish, whatever. You think they're not sitting by candlelight in their incredible backyard talking about imagine or, or remember all those fucking people who said, hmm, the Lions won't get it done till they get rid of Stafford. They are basking in it. He'll never say it. And it's another thing that makes him the fucking guy he is. It's a quality he possesses that makes it, it makes it unfathomable to me that people dislike him. Like the fact that he is elite. He just proved it. He just did what everyone said. Oh, you can't do it. You can't do it. All his naysayers, the the one thing, the one bad thing they could say about him. He just removed that from their vocabulary. He removed that from any argument. And he's so like, he's the fucking best because he's not even going to mention it. He's not even going to say a thing about it. They'll ask him, how'd it feel, Matt? How'd it feel to get your first playoff win? And he's going to say, oh, you know, it was good. And he's not going to give you the, yeah, fuck you. He's not going to do that. He's going to say, yeah, it was good. Like, I knew I could do it. We did it. Boom. All right, let's go win the That, like the fact that that happens too. And even more so, like the fact that you know, you know in his head he's like fucking morons. Like he's that type of guy where he's thinking to himself, that game ended. He had people coming up to him. What the fuck are they going to say now? They had people, people were saying that to him. And you know he was like, yeah. What are they going to say? Not fucking shit. But when you see him talk about it, he's going to say, yep, it was good. That's why. I don't understand how anyone could root against them. And I know the picks. I know the worse the Rams do, the better it is for the Lions. I am aware. I, I need people to understand because it doesn't seem like they do. This isn't concerning the, the pick that will be second overall. It's not our good pick that's getting moved. It's the pick that's either going to fall, I don't know, at like 24th overall or 32nd overall the rams were making the playoffs the moment they traded for him number one so anyone all season oh you want you need the rams to lose any real lions fans shut the fuck up the rams were making the playoffs the moment that trade happened that's a fact best case scenario what is it the picks like 22nd 24 something like that dude you think i fucking care you think I care about the difference between the 24th and if they win it all the 32nd? You really think I care that much? You shouldn't. You shouldn't. Because let me give you a little reminder. If you are sitting and you're going to, you can go pull up stats. Look at this draft, the 24th pick. They got to take this guy. You wouldn't have had a chance at him at 32nd. Listen to me. The fact, like, you need to remember this is the Detroit Lions we're talking about. This is the Detroit Lions. This is the most unsuccessful franchise in American sports. We have to remember that. You think their 2022 second first round pick being 24th or 28th or 30th or 32nd, you think any of those differences is going to be the one thing that gets the Detroit Lions over the edge? You think that is what's missing. You think that is the key ingredient to winning a Super Bowl? Is oh the Rams pick in 2022? You think that matters? It's the Detroit Lions, dude. I promise you, I fucking I promise you, those at maximum eight draft positions at the end of the first round will have zero effect on what happens to the Detroit Lions. If they're gonna win a Super Bowl one day with Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. If that is in the cards, if they have the capability, the talent, 
it's going to happen with the 24th pick or the 32nd. If they aren't, if it's never going to happen, they will not win the Super Bowl. They won't. If they have the 24th, they still won't. It's not going to fucking change what happens to the Detroit Lions. So spare me the talk. Oh my God, you're not a real Lions fan. How about you shut up? How's that? Because it doesn't matter. You know what does matter? You know why I fucking love sports? You know why I tune into the Lions every week when they're dog shit? You know why? It's because you form an attachment to the players. It's because I could watch the Lions every Sunday for 12 years, dude. For half of the time I've been on the planet Earth, for half of the time, more than half of the time, my brain has worked and registered memory. I've watched Matthew Stafford take the field every single week. I've known, I've been able to count on Matthew Stafford every single week. I known, I I know, and I did know, the guy leading our team, leading the offense, leading the franchise, being an ambassador for the community, for the city, was Matthew Stafford, dude. No matter how bad the Lions could get, no matter the crazy fucking ways they would manage to lose games, right? No matter getting to the playoffs and still not being able to get over the hump, I always knew. Matthew Stafford was not the problem. You could watch him play football once and it's abundantly clear. Wow, dude, this guy's incredible at playing quarterback. He was nothing but incredible for Detroit. He was nothing but incredible to the media, to the fans. How many fucking times could Matthew Stafford have gone? Yeah, dude, I can't win it on my own. It's an 11 man game. Yeah, man. Detroit gives, has given me no help. Yep. I'd love to do this. We hear about shit with Aaron Rodgers every fucking year, as great as Aaron Rodgers is. And he's not, or Matthew Stafford's not Aaron Rodgers by any means, but as great as Rodgers is, we hear every year, oh, he wants out of Green Bay. Oh, he doesn't like it there. Oh, he doesn't like this. Matthew Stafford, 12 years, just came in, did his business, left. Came in, was one of the best QBs in the NFL. That was it. Like, Nothing, not a peep. No, damn, is this the year Stafford leaves? Damn, he wants out. Damn, nothing. It was Matthew Stafford will be the quarterback Sunday. He's going to play his ass off. He's going to play if he's hurt. He's going to do everything in his power to win. And he's going to be a person that I can count on. Unlike many other positions within the team and within that organization, for half of my life, I could count on him. But you want to tell me, you want to tell me he was the reason he was 0-3 in Detroit in playoff games. You want to tell me that? You want to tell me it was him? I couldn't be happier. He went to the Rams, and he fucking sleepwalked to the playoff, sleepwalked through a playoff game, and now he gets to share the field with Tom Brady, of all people, next weekend for a trip to the NFC Championship. Couldn't be happier. And I will never understand. I will never understand how someone could sit there and and be like, have disdain towards Matthew Stafford. If you're not really rooting for the Rams or whatever because of the pick, fine, dude, I get it. Don't ever, ever let me see people going, you're not a real Lions fan because you're rooting for the Rams and Stafford. I, that makes me want to throw up that way. That makes me want to throw up. That's what makes sports awesome. When you have a guy like a Matthew Stafford, who's in your city being nothing but great for it for a long fucking time. And you get to grow up with him and watch him and count on him. And you see him chugging beers and you see him grinding on boats and God knows what, like, like you see this personality, you like, feel like you get to know him. 
and he's nothing but great. And he, at the end of his career, after 12 years of trying, really trying, he says, Hey, you mind if I go somewhere else where, you know, I'd like, I'd like to give this thing one more shot. And you are going to tell me I'm not a real fan for rooting for him. That is the most asinine bullshit I've ever heard to be honest with you. And I won't say it. Well, I'm going to say it, but I don't necessarily mean it. I feel like there's more of an argument to say, are you a real Lions fan if you're cheering against them? Like, at what point is it about people, especially within an organization like the Lions? Like, you really are telling me your loyalty to the to the Lions is outweighing Matthew Stafford, your loyalty to him that hard? The Lions are playing. Don't get me wrong. Go Lions. I hope Stafford has the worst game of his life. But when it's such a minute fucking effect, like a late first round draft pick position, you're telling me it's, oh, I, I, yeah, Stafford, don't care, don't know, nothing. I'll just never understand. I really won't. Happy for Stafford. Happy for Kelly. I, I would love for her to fire off some Instagram stories. I'd find that very funny. He deserved it. He's an incredible quarterback. He, he fucking deserved them here. I mean, the Cowboys thing, I don't want to talk about it. He deserved them here. He's an incredible guy on all accounts. Happy for him. Crazy and, and cool that he gets to play against Tom Brady next week. Like just an, I don't know what it is, but that makes me like happy for Matthew Stafford. Like congrats, bro. Like you, you are going to get the biggest stage. Like the world can see what you are. If you ball out, everybody will take notice. It's you and the greatest to ever do it. The reigning Super Bowl champions. And you got a chance to take them out and even further show people what you're made of. I couldn't be happier for him. I couldn't be more excited. I can't wait to cheer him on. Let's fucking go Rams. And on that note, thinking about Stafford and faces of the franchises, faces of the cities, the, the icon athletes, the Isaiah Thomases of the world, the Steve Eiserman, started thinking Dylan Larkin, Red Wings won today. He had two goals. He had the game winner. Incredible game. Cade Cunningham. He got ejected the other day for hammering one on Jalen Smith's, I was going to say his stupid head, but that's kind of a lame joke. Um, so I guess I'll just say he got ejected for slamming one on Jalen Smith's head and then pointed at it. But he had a great game. He's been so great for the Pistons. I, I just started thinking about those two guys. The fact that they're like they're getting there for me. Cade Cunningham. He I, I can get behind Cade. He, he makes me want to watch the Pistons. I still don't, but he makes me want to. He makes me like he makes me want to be invested because I'm invested in him. Dylan Larkin, I'm invested in the Red Wings either way, but Dylan Larkin, another guy, like couldn't be happier having these guys be the faces of our franchise. Take a quick break. We'll talk a little bit more about them and we'll call it an episode. Watching staff tonight. And thinking about kind of that guy, like a face, an icon within one of our teams in our city, it got me gassed up, dude. It got me gassed up, like we said for him, but for the guys that we have in Detroit now, Cade Cunningham, Dylan Larkin, like I got to watch the Red Wings. I watched Larkin score two and the OT winner and put the Red Wings on his back and win the game today. Like, I've watched Larkin all season long absolutely cook for the Detroit Red Wings. I know Cade's been good all season long. I know Cade has said the right things. 
all season long. I know Cade has brought it all season long. I may not watch, but I follow, I read. I like to be, you know, I, I like to be aware of what's happening with the Pistons. And he seems to be doing it all right. It makes me feel fucking great, dude. It makes me feel incredible. Like knowing that the hands of two of our four franchises, a lot of moving parts, right? Especially hockey, a lot more players. You need Dylan Larkin can't just win you a Stanley Cup. General manager is important, both basketball, both hockey, like a lot of moving parts. But as far as the leaders of the teams, whatever assembly of, of talent, whatever assortment of players we have on the NBA team or on the NHL team, the fact that they will be led by either Cade Cunningham or Dylan Larkin makes me feel incredible. I really, I really, I haven't thought about it much. I mean, I've always liked Larkin. I liked Cade when we picked him. Um, I still enjoy Cade. I love how Cade and Jalen Green had that little bit of a rivalry. I love everything about him. But I've never really sat down and gone, wow, dude. Like, wow, we got we got two phenomenal, phenomenal faces of the franchises. Like, to be honest, I mean, I sure could. Like, you could have McDavid. You could have LeBron James, whoever. At what point? Like, it could it be that much better? Like, at what point is it, oh, yeah, and the fucking elephant could be a donkey? Like, at what point is it, yeah, but that's never going to happen? I feel like what the Pistons and the Red Wings have going and the potential that exists – with the Tigers, we'll see more this year. We've kind of seen the staff already as far as Casey Mize, Matt Manning. He's a younger guy. Scooble, like they're starting to kind of ascend within the organization. Be those guys. Be the guys that take control of the Tigers. That kind of, they're the ones setting the culture and rubbing off and leading the Tigers. And then we have Spencer Torkelson. We have Riley Green joining them this year where they'll start to be seasoned to be those guys like, hey. The next 10, the next 15 years of Detroit Tigers baseball, like we're in the pitchings, we're going to figure that out. You guys figure out the hitting. Like this is us now. It's us five. It's us six setting the tone. The pieces around us may change. It's going to be us. And we're going to figure this thing out. Like we have that. It feels like in Detroit with the Red Wings and with the Pistons. And certainly it's a little different. Baseball, so many guys. Hockey, more guys. NBA, you get obviously the five starters and there's what, like 13 on a team, a lot smaller group of guys. You don't need as many guys that you can count on. You don't need as many captain leadership material type guys. You get one, you get two, all of a sudden things happen. And Cade Cunningham, it's crazy that that kid's 19. Is he 19, 20? Either way, it's crazy how young he is. You listen to Cade talk it's like one of the most mature human beings I feel like I've ever listened to. Like forget just basketball player. He, he, feels like he's like 50, 60, feels like he's read every philosophy book available at the Detroit Public Library. Like when you hear him talk, it's like, damn, damn, this guy, <laughs> damn, this guy's fucking the man. Like, yep. I'd play that. If I played basketball with him, like I would go to practice every day and be like, damn, I want to like, I'd like to be like him. I like forget just playing. I'd like to just be like him. <laughs> like when I think of, when I think of Cade Cunningham, I'd enjoy if other people felt that way when they think about me, that for real though, for real, like that's the guy we have leading the Pistons. And it's key that they do it on the, on the floor and in the games. It's key that Cade Cunningham 
you know, leadership and character only goes so far. It's key that he delivers. It's key that already it's like, oh, so he's just fucking our best player by a lot. Like that's key. And Dylan Larkin, I think as well, like Raymond's been awesome. Cider's been awesome. Bertuzzi's been awesome. Ned has been incredible. I think Larkin has been the best. Um, He's having an unbelievable season, especially in the light of, I feel like last year when Mantha left, it was like, oh, is Larkin as good as we thought? Is he like panning out all the way? There were kind of some doubts. It was always, I think people have always known and felt and said like, oh, he's a good player. Like Larkin will get the job done. He's a good player. But there's always been the debate of, is he a 1C? Like, can he be the best player on a Stanley Cup winning team? And it feels like this year, obviously Red Wings probably not going to win a Stanley Cup. Never say never. Or not going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Never say never. Sure, that's the case. But it's evident that he's the best player, to me at least. 200 feet, defense, offense, the leadership, the the kind of more aggressive side of him this year. I feel like this is really the first year where – He's been interested in getting a little scrammy, scrammy, scrappy. He's interested. You go fuck with Bert. Like Dylan Larkin's going to be in your ass a second later and not in a good way. He's been like, oh, you, you're going to cross check me. Okay. Um, I'm going to whack you on the ankle as hard as I can with my hockey stick. He's been much more like a fucking done with what the Red Wings have been doing with him. Cause you look at his career. I think his, his rookie year, they played the last season at the Joe. And I think that was the last year they made the playoffs. So he's played one season of playoff hockey one and Henrik Zetterberg was still on the team. He was the cap. Like he's played one ever since he's kind of risen through the ranks ever since he's become quote unquote, the man, obviously since he's become the captain, but since he's, it became Dylan Larkin's team where he's the best player. He's the guy you're counting on night in, night out. He's centering the first line. He's the guy you look forward to to set the tone ever since that's become the case. And meanwhile, he's been young for all of it. Like, I don't even know if he's 25 yet. Even though that's always been the case, he he's never made the playoffs. And you got to imagine at some point when you are Dylan Larkin, and he knows, like these guys are smart. He He's played on great hockey teams. And he's obviously played on bad hockey teams. Like he knows the level of competition. He knows the guys around him. He knows if they can get it done when they're running, uh, whatever it is, like summer camp or or fall camp in in Traverse city, like that at that time, Dylan Larkin knows what the team's going to be like. And, and we've finally, we've finally gotten to the point where, there is high-end talent starting to surround him. There are other guys that kind of burden some of his load. There are guys that, Dylan, like you don't need to always be the guy with the creativity. You don't always need to be the one delivering the pass. You don't need to always be the one making the play. Sometimes, now we got this guy, Mo Sider. Now we got this guy, Lucas Raymond. We've had Bert. He's healthy this year. Like now these guys, like those dudes can do it too. Like every now and then you can just hang out. You can just go stand by the net. They're going to do something cool and you'll just tap the puck in every now and then you're going to get a puck in a great spot. You just got to shoot it like that has happened this year. And we've never seen this level of talent because Bert's been out. Mantha's been out over his career. And for the most part, outside of those two guys, there really hasn't been much 
else around Dylan Larkin. Now you've got Burt. He's been healthy. Now you have Lucas Raymond, who is a guy who can distribute, is a guy that makes plays. He brings creativity. He brings scoring. You have another guy that kind of rivals your skill set, your skill level at least, if you're Dylan Larkin. You got a guy on the blue blue line, Mo Sider, that'll just run the show, that will get you the puck, that you can put at the point and he's going to make the right play, that does see passing lanes, that does see offense. Like he is willing to get creative. He is willing to get involved. All of a sudden, you just have a handful of these guys around Dylan Larkin and he's having a near point of game season. I don't know if he is point of game, but he's fucking close. He's very fucking close. He's scoring goals. I think he's got 18 now. The game winner tonight was 18. He's scoring goals. He's assisting on pat like he now he's he's hitting his final form. Is really what it feels like. And then you look at the fact he's doing the physical stuff where someone gets in Burt's face, someone tries to mess with Lucas Raymond. He doesn't give a fuck that he's the captain. He knows he's probably the most if not one of the most skilled players. He knows He's one of the most important players. He knows all of this. He knows, ah, in an ideal scenario, like you're you're probably not fighting. You're probably not getting involved, Dylan Larkin, but he doesn't give a fuck. He knows that that's the case, and he doesn't give a fuck. He's had it with losing. He's had it with being bullied. He's had it with what the Detroit Red Wings have given him and what they've achieved, which is fucking nothing the last four or five years. And now he finally recognizes, oh, oh, we got some, we got some guys now. Like it, it's not all up to me. Now we can, we can do some things. And he's fucking tired of being a loser. And he's what, 24, 25 years old. Like he talks to the media every time. He's kind of a quieter guy too. Every time he goes to the media, he says the right things. I think he's entered a phase too. I don't know him personally, of course, but he's entered a phase of life where it feels like it feels like Dylan Larkin now is like, I want to fucking win. Like it was sweet being an NHL kid, being 19, being 20, being 21, being 22, and being an NHL guy, being a, a more prominent player on the hometown Red Wings. Now, now I I'd, I'd like to I'd like to win. Now I want to be the prominent player on the successful hometown Red Wings. It feels like he's taken that step like mentally or just how he feels about his career and the team. And it gasses me up. It's another guy like Matthew Stafford. I love that Dylan Larkin's the captain. I love that it it seems like everybody gets along with him. I love that he's a hometown kid. I love that he looks more disciplined and he looks more intense and he kind of recognizes, oh shit, now we can do some stuff? Okay, I'm going to go all in. I love that it feels like he feels the potential around him. And feeling that potential seems to have energized him and he's having the best season of his career. And it feels like things are only going up. He does all the things a leader should do. He says the right things. He plays the right way. And he's the captain of the Red Wings. And he's 24, 25 years old. And he's going to be the captain for the next eight, 10, who knows, probably like six to eight years. I absolutely adore that. It makes me so happy. Cade hasn't been here as long. I mean, it's fucking wild to think about. Dylan Larkin's been here like five, six years already. Crazy to think about. Cade, he's just getting started. He's still in the rookie season. 
I obviously don't feel as strongly about Kate as I do about Larkin because Larkin's been here because I've watched more Red Wings, this, that, the other. But you can tell Cade's going down the same path. You can tell that it means something to Cade. You can tell Cade wants to win. Cade's not a hometown kid. But you can tell Cade kind of realizes the potential of the Detroit Pistons. You can tell Cade can tell people care about the Detroit Pistons. Cade seems like a guy that forget the Pistons, forget who he's playing for, forget what league. He's a guy who just, his team wins. He doesn't lose. He will not accept losing. He's not there to just make his money, play the games, play 82 and call it. That's not the reason Cade Cunningham is in the NBA. That's not the reason he's playing basketball. Cade Cunningham is there because he wants to win. Cade Cunningham is there because he knows his potential. He knows he can be one of the best in the league. He knows he is capable of winning at any level on any team. And he wants to make sure everybody else knows it too. He doesn't care about the flashiness. I He's 19 or something. He's got a kid. I, I can't even imagine Cade being like, yeah, let's go out. I can't imagine the thought of Cade hearing a dumb idea and being like, yeah, let's do it. I can't even imagine him thinking about saying, yeah, let's do it. Like this dude feels like a 35 year old vet that's been in the league 12 years. And he's a 19 year old kid in his rookie season playing for the Detroit Pistons, a team that hasn't had success in what, 12 years, 13 years in front of a a crowd who, They'll fill up Friday night, Saturday night. LCA will get going. But if you went to every single Pistons game, you're probably not getting the feeling, whoa, baby, this is an exciting place to be. You know what I'm saying? And Cade cares. And Cade wants to change that. And it feels like Cade understands the potential of that. That's what's cool about Larkin, too. That's what's cool because they've been garbage the last four or five years, the Red Wings. They've had the same thing. People just don't go to Red Wings games. LCA's dead. You don't feel the same way about LCA as you did about the Joe. But Larkin knows. Like, Larkin knows that it's there. Larkin knows once this team starts winning, LCA's going to fill up. It's going to be loud. Uh, He knows what what happens here. He knows the capability of the Red Wings. He knows what it looks like when it's right. Cade Cunningham didn't grow up watching that. He didn't grow up knowing what the Pistons look like when it's all going well. But it feels like he has a sense. And it feels like he understands whether it's, you know, the history, the bad boys, the going-to-work Pistons, whoever is rubbing off on him, Big Ben, Rip, whoever he may, you know, kind of feel that from or get his information from or ingratiate himself to Detroit and the culture and the Pistons. It feels like he knows the same way Dylan Larkin does, but he knows without seeing it. He knows what Detroit can be. He knows what the Detroit Pistons can be. He knows what they should be. He knows how unbelievable it would look and sound if it went right if it was the way it is supposed to be. And he seems like a guy to me. Yeah, he has a family. I'm sure he's 19. Like he wants to do fun shit, spend money, fucking do it, bro. Do whatever you want. But he feels like a guy, Cade Cunningham, where he's determined to do positive things here. He's determined to win with the Detroit Pistons. He's not interested in just collecting a paycheck, making a few all-star games, hanging out, doing this, doing that. No, no. He's interested in winning, and it feels to me that he's interested in winning in Detroit, which is the best part about it. 
especially in a league like the NBA and the way the culture of the league has changed where, Oh, your, your, you know, your contracts up. Okay. Where are you going to go? You're, you're not going to stay here. Are you in a league like that? Yes. Cade's going to want money. Yes. Pay him whatever he wants. Of course. But it feels like he's not going to be a guy going, Oh, I'm going to leave the, we're going to go to LA. Oh, I'm going to go play for the Knicks. I'm going to go to South beach. It feels like he's going to look at it and go, I want to play in Detroit. Like you pay me, I'm playing in Detroit. Let's win a fucking championship. It feels like that's what he wants. Not just the ship, not to just be successful, not just to win, but he wants to win in Detroit. It feels like he thinks and he knows that he can do it too with Weaver. Maybe not with Dwayne Casey, maybe with Dwayne Casey. It feels like he thinks some of the guys around him, Sadiq Bey maybe, Killian maybe, Stu maybe. It feels like he kind of gets the impression that, oh, some of these guys can play. T- like, we can figure it out with some of these guys. Yeah, we need some parts. Yeah, there, you know, there's some good free agents coming up. Yeah, we need a good draft pick again this year. Yeah, I'd like to play with Banchero. Some guys are here. We can do it. Why not? And that's the guy that's leading the Pistons for the next 10, 12, 15 years. He's the face of the franchise. He's the leader of every team that takes the floor in Detroit. Names names will change. People will come and go. Cade Cunningham will be a constant. Cade Cunningham will be the guy that sets the tone. And every time I see Cade and watch him play this, that, whatever, I want him to be that guy. I want it to be, oh, you play for the Pistons? You must really like Cade Cunningham. You must, he must rub off on you. You must kind of level up because you play with Cade Cunningham. We talk about that all the time. The best players or the truly great players make others around them better. Tom Brady, LeBron, blah, blah, blah. Million other ones. We say that all the time. It truly does to feel like Cade Cunningham is a guy who maybe not as much this year, maybe not as much even next year, but it feels like by the time Cade's 21, 22, 23, by the time he's done it for a little while, he knows the ins and the outs. He's a guy that when you play with him, you're, you're, you're just better. He just elevates you. Even if it's nothing about your game, he doesn't make you a better shooter, passer, just your confidence, the way you feel, how locked in you are. He makes you want to care more. He makes me want to care more. He seems like one of those guys. Dylan Larkin, same deal. Watching Stafford tonight brought back all those feelings of having a guy like that because it's been a while since we've had one with the Tigs. I mean, Miguel, but they haven't been good in so long. And Miguel, obviously, he's at the end of the line. Lions outside of Stafford, nothing. Now we got Cade. Dylan Larkin's coming into his own. The Red Wings are turning a corner. It's a beautiful thing. We got so many potential candidates for the Tigers. It really is. It just makes me happy. And Detroit's going to go on a run here. Detroit's going to go on a run. The next few years, the Red Wings, the Pistons, the Tigers, they're going to be in the playoffs every single year. They're going to be trying to win the the championship, the World Series, every single year. It's not just those players. It's Steve Eiserman. It's Troy Weaver. It's AJ Hinch. They're going to go on a run here. And we've got two of the core guys. We've got the GM and the player in Detroit. We've got, we think the GM and the player for the Pistons. Red Wings is the first one I meant to say, not Detroit. We've got the coach. We've got the manager. 
for the Tigs. We've got a couple of the players. Got a couple more big ones coming in too. Lions, we've got the general manager. I think we've got the coach. We're just waiting on the player. Like the puzzle pieces are coming together. The divine timing is coming together. The momentum is building. And very, very soon, the city and its sports teams are going to go on a little run. And I couldn't be more ecstatic about it. I couldn't feel better about it for so many reasons. But Cade Cunningham and Dylan Larkin certainly are two of those. That's all I got today, folks. Hope you had a great weekend. Hope you're having a great Tuesday morning, afternoon, evening. Appreciate everybody listening per usual. Um, We'll be back Thursday. I think we're going to do the Michigan State football year in review. Maybe Michigan too. I don't know if I'll do both, just one. But we're going to do a year in review Thursday. We'll be back here Thursday, the second string pod tomorrow and Friday. Talk to you folks later.